Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Obolewski. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm doing so good. So good to be with you today. I know that today's, uh, you know, pod uh, 114 has a lot of information in it. Yep. So I, I will, I will preclude my usual small talk and we'll get right, <laughs> right to you. Tell us about today's podcast. Yeah. Five priorities of every pastor. Um, you know, uh, there's a scripture that I think is, uh, is really awesome for every leader to, to memorize. And that is this it's first Timothy three, one. Here's a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think, Jim, I, I think we would be wrong to not acknowledge uh, the respect both you and I have for people who lead a church. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, I mean, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate Engels. We appreciate the sacrifice, the hard work, the dedication, and the effort that you bring to the table every week. And, um, and pastoring has become increasingly complex. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a Barna study, I don't know, 10 years ago that said that churchgoers expect their pastor to be a, a proficient in 16 major tasks. Um, and, and, you know, uh, if we lead without a clear set of biblical values, leadership values, uh, I think we're going to be in for the run of our life. I mean, it's going to be yeah. difficult uh, if we don't have a strong sense of really what's God asking me to do as a leader, what's important. Yeah. What do you think about that just in general, Jim, before we jump into yeah. these five priorities? I, I get the 16 things because, oh, I want to say this the right way, but if if the church's success is measured by numbers, then the church service becomes a product and those who attend it become consumers and consumers have certain requirements, yeah. So I want the pastor to be this, I want the pastor to be that. If you took out the word pastor and put in the word cheeseburger, though you shouldn't be able to say the exact same sentences, right? <laughs> the word the words should change or or unless that's unless it's I love my pastor and I love yeah. my cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want my cheeseburger to be, I want my pastor to be. And so I, I think if we're not careful, we'll fall into that trap as well, where we're we're not their servants anymore, merely they're they become our masters. So we, I want you to be more intelligent. So we go back to school. I want you to be more funny. So we, we watch mm. Netflix. I want you to be more, I liked it, but it was too long. So we shortened the service. I liked it, but it was too short. We lengthened the service. Like it's, right. you need to have one master who tells you what to do and, and obedience to him is success regardless right. of outcome. And I, I think that's, that's a very simple thing for me to say. It's a very tight rope uh, yes. that, that we have to walk to, to do that as well as I hope we can. Right. And I'm grateful that the, the New Testament actually helps us with this, right? That yes. It yeah. really does give us a model. It, it gives us uh, leadership principles that are super, super helpful. Uh, yeah. So here's, uh, I'm, we're just going to talk about five. I think these are the top five. Uh, yeah. you, you know, intelligent people, godly people could disagree. But um, here's the five that uh, we believe are the uh, top five priorities. Number one, your relationship, the pastor's relationship with God comes first. Yes. It comes first. Um, you know, Paul wrote to Timothy 
And uh, and uh, I, I think this is in First Timothy. Oh no, it's in Second Timothy. He says this: "I have been reminded of your sincere faith." And then he goes on to talk about Timothy's heritage. But I think it's interesting, right? That I'm reminded. He didn't say I'm reminded of your accomplishments. I'm reminded of your sincere yeah. faith. And, and Jim, if we're not careful, and I know that I've stubbed my toe here. Full disclosure, uh, occasionally as a pastor, I stub my toe here that that the work of the ministry got in the way of my relationship with God. Now, here's what I mean by that. <clears throat> it's not that I didn't spend time with God every day, but I but I allowed the pressure. I allowed the pressure of expectations. I allowed the self-imposed pressure of my life to become larger in my view than God was. Yes. And I forgot at times, I forgot why I was there in the first place. So what do you think about this first uh, priority? Yeah, I, I think, John, you, you said intelligent people may disagree. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody could disagree with that. But, the, you know, Jesus, what's the most important thing? What's your yoke? What's your teaching? Mm-hmm. What's your priority? Love God. You know, Deuteronomy 6, 4, love, love God. Uh, and love your neighbors yourself. So there's, there's if there is a, a truth that is, tighter than this one i don't know what it is okay this, we, this is the place where everything else comes from we want That's the right. fruit of the spirit well that that comes from the spirit <laughs> you know we want, mm-hmm. we want the gifts of the spirit well that comes from the spirit we want our pastor to be you know proficient in 16 different areas when probably more like four is realistic if that right yeah so this is this is where grace comes from this is where gifts come from this is the difference between a a, a job and a father-son project is time jesus yeah did amazing things but if you notice the rhythms of his life he often was missing from the crowd and he he went out into the desert out in isolated wilderness places and spent time with his father then he came back and chose disciples and cleansed lepers and cast out demons but then you know where's jesus i i don't know where is he you know we have to go find him hey master everybody's looking for you yeah that's a problem let's leave this area and go somewhere else that's right everybody's looking for me now it's it's runs so contradictory to, I don't know, I, maybe success is the wrong word. I'm so I'll put quotation marks. It's contradictory to the success, you know, that, that mm-hmm. we might long for today. The significance of crowds are gathering. I must be anointed. He's like, yeah. I, I have to be with my father. I just have to be my father. I, I don't think anybody should have to excuse to the closest of family or the most distant of congregation. My number one priority is, is to be with God. And yeah. everyone should get that. And everybody should be the beneficiary of that. Or what do you do it out in the wilderness for four hours? Yeah. Like if you're out there in a deer stand with a gun, that's not necessarily out in the wilderness. You're, you're deer hunting. You know, that's, <laughs> that's not time with God. You're, you're skipping work to go kill a deer. But, but literally that getting up early and leaving to a solitary place is one of the yeah. most biblical acts of Jesus yeah. that we could emulate and, and benefit from. And in my mind, it, it's the most important thing you would do in any given day. Yeah. So uh, we believe that's, one of the top five priorities, probably the top yes. number one out of, out of the five. Here's the next one. The pastor makes tough calls. Yes. Now that might seem a little counterintuitive to you, but um, you know, Paul was no stranger to making tough calls. Yeah. He, he wrote this. Uh, he wrote this to a young pastor named Titus, or I don't know if Titus was young. I know Timothy was young. I'm not sure about Titus, but Titus was a pastor. Yeah. And he wrote this. He said, warn a divisive person once. And then warn him a second time. Yeah. And after that, 
have nothing to do with him. I didn't learn that in Bible college. I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for my education, but we didn't talk about that. Uh, And, and tough calls, having difficult conversations. If you're willing to learn how to do that, it allows God to give you more leadership responsibility. If you refuse to do that, it limits yeah. the amount of responsibility God can give you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so making tough calls, tough calls require several things. I think yeah. they require a, a lot of thought, yeah. a lot of prayer, a lot of humility, yeah. a lot of wisdom. Uh, you know, Paul wasn't telling Titus to, you know, off with their heads type of no. pastoring. Uh, now, I think what he was highlighting was this mistake that we often make as leaders of swinging to the other extreme, where we we put up with destructive behavior from people for too long. Yes. Yeah. And when a leader avoids those kind of confrontations, Jim, they, they suffer. Yeah. Actually, the person who is causing the problem suffers Yeah. because they need to grow up. And if I don't have a hard conversation with them, they probably never will. And the church suffers. So everybody loses when I take this priority of making tough calls and say, no, I'm not going to do that. What do you think, Jim, about that? Yeah, I I think in in the human body, when a singular cell, for whatever reason, is produced that is malignant, it's, it's it's not healthy, it's not proper, it's not right. One of the things that, that we would call that is cancer, right? Or a tumor. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the things that's really weird about a tumor is it draws all the attention, all the blood vessels, all the, um, you know, all the ammunition, all the uh, nutrition, it all comes to that. And when it's really reached its apex, it actually kills its host and dies with it. And man, I, I've seen this. I, you've seen this as well, right? The, the wounded person, the guy that's got the weird heart or the, my dad beat me and no male's going to have authority over me or my mom was passive right. and no one's going to lead me. And whatever that, whatever that, that wrong thought is that, that damages the individual cell, the person inside of that congregation, if you don't eradicate either through healing or removal, right. um, that illness, it will draw nutrients to itself. It will take what is healthy and nutritious and sound and make it unhealthy, poisonous, unsound. Mm. And as we both have seen, churches have died from the inside out. Uh, I would say in my lifetime exclusively, I've never seen the government come in and shut down a church and everybody was scattered. It's always from the inside of an unhealthy body that the cancerous divisiveness that that he's talking about, the Titus. So that's why I think he's dealing with it so surgically, so permanently and severely. He's going to warning them. I'm warning you, don't do this. Hey, I'm warning you for the last time. Don't do this. Hey, we're done because I, I'm not a manager trying to make everybody happy. I'm a leader and a shepherd who is accountable to the the over shepherd of my soul. Uh, And it's his church. I'm, I'm doing what he told me to do. I'm walking in obedience. And and that's, you're saying that that takes a lot of humility and prayer and courage, Yes. but there's only one thing harder than that hard conversation. And it's not having that hard conversation, right? It, it, will, it will cost everybody if you don't have the courage to lead as God has appointed you. It's, I, I agree hundred percent. And you might be listening or watching and, and you're thinking, I don't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that either. Yeah. I had to learn. Yeah. I had to pick up some books, read some books. I had a mentor in my life 
who uh, would coach me through these hard conversations. You know, we would, we would meet beforehand. Uh, we talked through what the situation was. He would give me some pointers. I'd go have the, that conversation. And then I would come back to that mentor and we would debrief. And, you know, he would, he would help me. And, and so reading and having somebody speaking into my life, I've, I've developed the ability. I, I still don't like doing that. I don't enjoy yeah. the tough conversations, but I'm much more skilled at it now. So you can learn this skill. This isn't a talent that is natural for most people. It's a learned behavior. So I just want to encourage you with that one. Here's a third priority, Jim. The pastor raises up and releases leaders. Huge. You know, Second uh, Timothy 2, 2, boy, if you want to learn about leadership, read Titus, read First and Second Timothy. You're going to learn a ton about how to lead and how to pastor. Paul says this to Timothy, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Yeah. And, and one of our primary responsibilities, Jim, is to help people who are under our care uh, discover. Yes. Good word. How God has put them together and wired them and then release them to serve in those capacities. Um, we've, you know, we've just launched a, a brand new program, a journey, we call it a journey called uh, recruiting to releasing our, our, our nickname for it is R to R. Jim, tell us just a little bit about how that actually helps a pastor accomplish this third priority. Yeah. I, if, and we'll use the nursery because I, I found historically the nursery is the hardest position to staff mm -hmm. uh, in, in any church. So uh, if I come to you and say, please, uh, we, people can't bring their kids into the sanctuary. They, they won't come up. There's not a thing. Please, would you please take a turn in the nursery? If they say yes, there's a good chance they're, they're, they're going to be where they're not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. There's a good chance that there isn't grace on their life other than maybe being a servant, being your friend. And, and this is, this is the wrong language, but I, you actually owe them a favor. They, they did you a solid by mm -hmm. taking that responsibility and nobody's enjoying it. And, and people will get burned out on church sometimes. And, you know, why did you leave the church? You know, I just felt like all oh, they need, they just needed me constantly and I needed a break and that kind of stuff. So the, the, the alternative to that is to have conversations with people prior to needing that nursery worker and saying, why, you know, what did God save you from? And hearing their testimony and saying, what do you think God saved you for? We're changing one word, yeah. but that word means everything. So you have a purpose, you have a destiny. Ephesians 2.10, where God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 4.11, God gave us apostles, evangelists, or prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of God's people unto good works. So the good works of Ephesians 2.10, the, the, the offices in Ephesians 4.11, create people that know who they are, what they're called to do, and then we release them. So if I were to ask the person, we do this all the time, and it's wonderful, you know, name 10 sermons or five sermons that have changed your life. Most people, if I gave them half an hour, couldn't do it. But name five people that have changed your life. Mm -hmm. And within 10 seconds, everybody can name those five people, at least five people in 10 seconds. So it was, it was never the curriculum. It was always the Sunday school teacher. It was, it was never the sermon. It was always the pastor. It was never the course. It was always the professor, right? Yeah. So understanding that what we're doing is you're, when you help someone realize who they are and then release them to do that 10 years from now, I say, name five people you're on the list yeah. because you saw something in them. You brought it out of them. You allowed them to exercise it poorly 
at first, mm-hmm. but you gave them a place to exercise it. And then the proficiency was gained. And I, this is what, to me, this is the joy of pastoring. And I find so few pastors that understand this because they're recruiting. We need more nursery workers, need more bus drivers, right. need more Sunday school teachers, need more. And I get that. But, but in the end, you're the one that's kind of always, they see you in, in the grocery store and they, they jump into the frozen food aisle because they know you're going to ask for something, <laughs> you know, versus they jump out of the frozen food aisle because they saw their pastor. And every time they talk to that guy, every time they talk to that lady, they're yeah. speaking destiny and they're calling stuff out of them and not letting them compromise or quit or, or, you know, give up. And I, to be the people on that list, the five people that have changed your life, to be the people on that list, you have to, you have to do this. You have to, you have to help them discover who they are and then release them in meaningful ways. Because a, a Christianity, I told you I could talk all day long, a Christianity that only tells us what to do and what not to do, that, that's been getting old since the 60s. Yeah. Right. So a Christianity that tells us who we are and releases us to be that, yeah. we're just scratching the surface. So I, I'm very, I, yeah. I'm passionate about this. I'm very excited about this. But right. through the whole pandemic, we have not lacked a single volunteer for the last 20 months. The entire staff of our church came from the pews of our church. None of right. them were hired off of resumes. This is the way we live. Right. And I, I, I hope that people take this to heart because it's sure. one of the greatest joys of ministry is releasing people into their gifts. Right. And if you want to learn more about that, uh, you can go right to our website, convergecoach.com and, uh, and click on the R2R. There's, a, there's going to be a banner on the homepage that you can click on and learn more about recruiting to releasing powerful, powerful journey that several churches have already taken with us brand new. Um, and the results have been spectacular. So I know we could talk about that all day, but let's, day. let's just keep going. Um, <laughs> let me give you two real quick ones here, Jim, because we're really buttoned up against time. Um, okay. This is the fourth priority we believe of every pastor. And that is to preach the word of God or teach the word of God uh, carefully with love and without apology. If you want to be a great teacher or preacher, three things you have to do. One, you've got to know the word of God. And I don't mean just know it intellectually. You've got to know how it works on the inside of you and allow it to work on the inside of you. Know the word that way. Know um, your people. Yeah. Preach and teach with your people, your people's problems in mind. Yeah. Teach and preach with your people's pain in mind. Preach in a language they get. And they understand. So know the word, know your people. Thirdly, know yourself. Um, know how God's put you together. We just talked about this, you know, in the in the last priority. Um, yeah. But know how God has wired you, and be true to that on the platform, um, and that will help you to be more effective in your teaching and preaching. I didn't I didn't come up with this by myself. A good friend of mine named Andy Swart. Uh, taught me this. We've had Andy on our podcast, by the way. I remember, I remember him teaching on that. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, that impacted me so much. I'll never forget it. It's yeah. so simple. Those three things, know the word, know your people, know yourself, and yeah. that'll make you a better teacher and preacher. Um, here's the last one real quick. And that is this, the pastor, and actually this really follows what I just said. The pastor stays in touch with the day-to-day challenges confronting his people. Yeah. Um, look, I, I know this, uh, when I was a lead pastor, it was so easy to get insulated, Jim, from the what people were really going through, you know, like what what my my the people I was leading were going through at work, 
Yeah. Uh, as, just as an example, you know, and I spent 20 years in the corporate world after being a lead pastor, I, I jumped in the corporate world for 20 years. Boy, did I learn a ton about what people go through yeah. every day at work. There's a lot of vulgarity. There's a lot of com competition. The workforce in the last 20 months, there's just like a bomb exploded, right? And there's just, it's such a mess. And a lot of people that you lead work for people who aren't nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. And so do your best to stay in touch with that, man. Have, have coffee with people and say, what's going on at work? Yeah. Tell me about work. What, what's that like? Because look, pastoral ministry will insulate you unless you're intentional. And I think for you to be a better leader, it's really important to know here's the struggle that, that my people, the people I'm pastoring, the people I'm serving are really dealing with. It'll make you a better preacher. It'll yes. make you a better teacher. It'll make you better, a better uh, coming alongside person to help people understand uh, how they should navigate the real world and be a Christian at the same time. I so Jim, that. a final thought or two and then wrap yeah, this up. This is the way Jesus taught. He talked to fishermen about nets. He talked to farmers about seeds. He talked yeah. to shepherds about sheep. Uh, he talked to a thirsty woman about water in a well. Uh, this is to, to begin with the common language of where they are is, is 101 in teaching. And so mm -hmm. if you don't know where they are, especially if your perspective comes from a newscast or your perspective comes from yeah. a, you know, a singular publication or, or even worse, it comes from social media, you know, yeah. that, that really compartmentalized humanity where the algorithm leads you to only people that think these three things, you, you'll, you will not connect with people. And, and the problem is not that it's not connecting with people, it's that you're disconnecting. Yeah. When, when you speak truth, but it's so culturally disconnected then people assume that the truth you're speaking is, is no longer relevant. And yes. we're reading the Bible. And I think that's one of the worst things that can happen is that that priest, that pastor, that rabbi has no idea what I'm really going through. Right. It discounts the word. So once, once the devil has gotten us to discount scripture, we're just devil bait from, mm -hmm. from there on. Right. We're just victims waiting to happen. So I, I, I think this is brilliant, John. I'm grateful for your list. And I hope that those that are listening serve in pastoral ministry, whether it's youth pastor or Sunday school superintendent or senior pastor, whatever it is, if anybody calls you pastor, you play this role in somebody's life, consider these things. Maybe maybe just one of these things, maybe just two of these things. Yeah. But we would rather you got something deep inside of you than a list that you forgot you know, uh, already. So, That's right. so whatever God's speaking to you, focus on those things. And, uh, and I love it, John. Thank you again for, for your wisdom, your experience. Again, you're not a... Uh, you're not a theoretical theologian. You've done this. You've lived this. And we're benefiting from your wisdom. So God bless you, our dear listeners. We hope that you will join us again. And uh, that we'll see you, that we'll hear you, that we'll be a part of your lives as you are a part of ours on a daily basis. We pray for you and love you and think about you. And uh, keep going as you continue to lead from life. 